Sacred love.
Standing over there, I could hear your wonderful sound and your sacred love, but you're also a great choir. It sounded beautiful. If you're visiting us this morning, welcome. We are a center that blesses all teachers and spiritual teachings. We know that there is no wrong way to worship, and whether that is lighting a candle and facing the east, repeating a mantra, lighting a menorah, burning incense, or offering a prayer. We respect all the ways there are to draw closer to spirit, for even though they may appear to be a great difference in the path, we know the destination is the same. Our vision here at the center is inspiring the recognition of spirit in all. You are very welcome. Something wonderful is always happening here at the Center for Spiritual Living. This morning... You won't be disappointed. If you're visiting and new, you might want to stop in at the welcome table. It's just at the back, and after the service, there's someone there to answer any questions you might have and give you a little package of information and a couple of little spiritual gifts. Would you now stand and join this wonderful music ministry team as we sing our congregational song? So this is a brand new song that we talked about last week that we've been working on. We're unveiling our new song. Joy. I am filled with the power to make a change, to 
Somehow it's easier to be overflowing with happiness when we have this weather, isn't it? I have a number of announcements. One exciting one is I've often heard people say they wish we had a a community group that would do a book study. And we are now starting that. And it's being coordinated by Laura Cameron. It's in your program. We're basing it this month on the book of our month, The Trance of Scarcity, a wonderful book. You'll hear a little bit more about that book today in Reverend Patrick's talk. So it will start on May the 11th, and it will run for eight weeks that we will be providing you with study guides for each of of your uh, study group members. Also, next Saturday, we're having our annual spring cleanup. It's always a fun event. Some people work out in the garden, and some people just do cleaning outdoors and some in. It's starting at 10 o'clock, and we'd love to have your help. Just show up, and uh, there will be coffee and goodies provided. Our annual compost sale is also on again this year in our teen group. Use the funds from this, the profits from this, to go to camp. So they would really appreciate your support. It's a wonderful compost that goes into gardens and flower beds. It's Saturday, May the 9th at Gold Bar Sobeys. So come on out and support our great teen group. The business breakfast this month, Thursday, May the 14th at 7.30 a.m., The speaker is great, and so is the topic, what a man with a horse can teach you about life. Dr. Gantz will be our guest speaker. So please pre-register for that after the service today at the back table. And it is a $20 spiritual uh, buffet breakfast with this wonderful dynamic speaker. This This year, for the first time, we are having the Circle of Love Gathering On August the 17th to the 20th, it will be held in Kelowna, British Columbia. Our own Reverend Patrick, I know, is one of the workshop facilitators. It's more than a conference. It's really going to be a fabulous event. It's been running in the USA and gets rave reviews. If you register early by May the 15th, you can uh, save yourself a little bit of money. It's $874 Canadian. The registration forms will be at, at the back table, at the welcome table after service, if you'd like to get a little more information about it. I've really heard some wonderful things about it. If you went to the workshop with Dr. Rick Moss, I know that you were very impressed. I've heard just so much positive conversation about his work. His CD of that workshop is at the bookstore for sale, and it's called Healing and Transformation. I know many people who were at the workshop asked to have that CD provided, and so we have that for you this morning. And now I'm going to turn this over to Robin to introduce our guest soloist this morning. And before I do, I have an announcement of my own. Uh, Some of you were here last week and heard me talk about the workshop that Anna Beaumont and I are giving. We're giving a series of four workshops on the voice. And uh, we've got just a few things that we want to cover in the four workshops. You can do one or you can do all four. And uh, if you want more information about it, one of the topics that uh, whenever we say to people what it is, we get a spark of recognition, and that's overcoming the fear that comes around singing for many of us. And so that's just one of the things we'll be covering. And uh, May 30th is the first workshop. And if you want to find out more, I'll be at the table at the back after the service. And speaking of singing, two great singers that I love whenever they come to the center, mother and daughter team, Myro. Please welcome. Good morning. So uh, then is this overcoming the fear workshop? Yeah. <laughs> Can we have a little session before? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so hi, it's a it's just a great pleasure to be here again. Uh, always a joy to come to your center and perform music for you. We and love you. coming here. You, we think you guys are just so great. You're just such a great audience. <laughs> going to do a little Steve Earle song for you here. I think it's a Steve Earle. It might even just be a, an old folk one. I'm just 
much. Ah, thank you. We're in that nice mellow zone. Heart open, ready. I'd like to introduce our practitioners for this week, and they are Sonia Rem, Laura Cameron, Elaine Warwick, Kelly Kay, and myself, Catherine McLeod. So we will be available after this, after this service for the one-minute ministry if you'd like to join us in the room to my left. And now I'd like to invite Kelly Kay to come up and do this morning's reading. Hello. This is from a book called Spiritual Literacy, a book that's been around for a while, might be in our bookstore, maybe it's something you want, or maybe you just want to enjoy the little passage. It goes like this. First, it starts off with, the great Sufi teacher, musician, and poet, Hazrat Khan, writes, everything in life is speaking, is audible, is communicating, in spite of its apparent silence. As a character in a recent novel by Lynn Sharon Swartz points out, once we have a relationship with a thing, it begins to speak intimately to us. Could sound like this. My bed. A modest double, nothing kingly or queenly, has become more than a haven or refuge. It's a lover. It's my lover. At my most exhausted moments, I sense it reaching toward me like the vibrations of the universe. For the Tai Chi teacher says, the universe is a great system of vibrations we draw to us by our feelings. Fear draws fear. Love draws love. I almost hear the bed whispering to me to come the way you might might feel a lover longing for you miles away. And I come readily, falling onto the waiting... Oh, this is getting exciting now. My voice is going deeper. Ah, I've only begun. Hmm. Falling onto the waiting mattress, firm but yielding as an accomplished lover. Oh, here I go. These strong coils beneath the stuffing like reliable bones, am I blushing, beneath the flesh. I lie down as eagerly as did the princess, worn out from her wanderings, except under this mattress there is no irritating pee. No, the bed is a perfect and perfectly welcoming lover. The pillow sinks benignly under the weight of my head and rises mildly around my hair. I pull the sheet over me to be utterly surrounded, voluptuously embraced. It folds coolly around my legs as a lover's skin may be cool at first touch, but it quickly warms up from my body's heat, creating a tube of warmth. As the bed presses gently along the length of me, I let go. Every cell yields to the embrace, which of late I find satisfying like no other. Totally understanding, the bed accepts that I have nothing to offer but warmth, which I have in abundance. I need not respond or embrace in return. The bed seeks nothing for itself. Its pleasure is to wrap me in pleasure. Okay, Reverend Patrick, Reverend Patrick. 
Okay, well, we're, if you can handle a little bit more passion, warmth, and love in your life, Reverend Patrick is about to come up, our Reverend. Oh, save me. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Good job. You'll never go to sleep the same way again, will you? All right, we're going to sing. Say a prayer. Good morning. Hey, something wonderful is happening here today, and it's you. And so all you have to do is consent to that. Are you willing to consent to that? Well, thank you. Susan, going. Thanks. Three people over here. Are you willing to consent to that? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. So I'm going to invite you. If you'd like to stand up, please feel free to do that. If not, please stay seated. We're going to sing a song in this very room and say a prayer and set an intention. And this really is the eternal moment. So let's step into that. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every I speak in the I am, but what I know is that there is only one, and so I invite you to allow my words to to be your words if they fit. So this is my knowing in the I am for all of us, I am grounded in the oneness of life, I am grounded in that connection, that vibrancy of the most high, it is an experience not just in my head but in my body and in my heart, and standing in that, I know I stand in the embodiment of that, and that moment is a moment of clarity, luminosity openness, graciousness, generosity, giving, accepting, receiving. I am in the flow. Standing in that flow, I know that everything right and perfect for me to be made aware of in this moment and each moment hereafter clarifies itself in my awareness. As a result of that experience, I choose wisely. I choose wonderfully. I stand on this planet inspired and inspiring others simply by being who and what I am. So I just give thanks this day for the opportunity to come together to be reminded of this truth, to live this truth, And to know that something is seeking expression by means of you and I. And I say yes to that. Whatever it looks like, however it shows up, I know that I and you have everything necessary to move forward effectively, productively, sharing and moving towards our highest aspirations. And so I give thanks for this. I release these words and the clarity and the blessings that this day offers. I give thanks knowing it is already done in the mind of the one. I am certain of it. I am clear. And I release it knowing it continues to conspire in every good way for my benefit and your benefit. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. Thank you. Please be seated. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What a great day. Something wonderful is happening here today. Beautiful day. Isn't it nice when it warms up for a couple weeks before it snows again? I like that. I like that. Thank you, Brown. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What a great community. What a great thing to be able to come together and the music, and if, you know what, next week, Mother's Day, we have uh, our own Sue Hodge and our own Robin Walters, thanks. 
And uh, there's, actually, there's staff ministers, and I'm in the back sometimes, I can't remember their name. Now, I see them almost every day, and, but it's just kind of the way the mind works. I like to say that uh, it's part of my evolutionary process. I'm celebrating it at the moment, but <clears throat> anyway. But names slip away sometimes. But anyway, Robin and uh, Sue are going to be doing some wonderful music for Mother's Day, and we have three young artists coming that are promoting a concert at the Windspear on June 16th. And I'm going to weave my talk around this for Mother's Day. And they're, they're uh, ages 16 to 13. They're phenomenal. Very excited. So if you want to enjoy some great music, I suggest you be here next week because it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch, the, to feel the vibrancy. See, we're a learning community. We are, this is a community that's alive, and it's always shifting and changing because co- the nature of consciousness is to shift and change. And so it's not in our lives to throw away the things, everything. We don't throw away everything because there are foundational pieces we need in order to live the life that I believe we're, we're called to live. But I do think that when we start to limit our great by our good, we get stuck. And so uh, there's a wonderful book this month that I'm sharing with you. I'm holding it up so you see what it looks like. It's called The Trance, T-R-A-N-C-E, of Scarcity by Victoria Castle. And it's a wonderful book. I understand that she trained in one of the New Thought uh, seminaries because when i started reading it and looking at the language i said this woman's this woman's been immersed in our teaching forever maybe not forever but she's been exposed to it because her language is so uh similar to what we teach and so we talk about this idea of trance the trance of scarcity and a trance is the state we get into when we 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 sort of we're sort of semi-conscious anybody ever had that experience kind of once in a while i've had it once i remember it was i was 14 but we, we go into sort of this semi-conscious state. And in that state, what happens for us when we're in this trance state is that whatever shows up for us in our lives, we just, we, just, we just say yes to it. Many times we don't realize. I mean, if you watch the conditions of the, of the world and people and how they live their lives, when you're asleep, when you watch someone that's in the trance, they don't think they have another choice. They're stuck. You know, when we watch our, the people that we love in abusive relationships, whether it be politically or individually, within family, or live in poverty, or live in, in, in uh, discord, or dis-ease, or distress. Sometimes people feel that it's very popular to just buy into that and not realize there might be a different, more interesting idea. Because we don't teach this idea that we live in limitation. And yet, all of our lives, mine included, I'm with you. There are certain things in my life that are, are a stretch for me. There are certain limitations and things that, that, that are a challenge for me. But what I also know is it's not static, and I have an opportunity to move myself Maybe it's incrementally. Maybe sometimes I feel like I've taken a step back, but I don't believe that that's the way it works. I just believe sometimes I'm very impatient with the whole process. Have you ever been impatient with the whole process? Or as they say, process here in Canada, because I'm getting the language down pretty good now, being American. Hey, thank you. No one says that here. I go to the States and I'll go, hey, hey, hey. And what are you talking about? Nobody talks like that up there. You've been watching too many movies. You've been watching too much Dudley Do-Right as far as I'm concerned. So trance of scarcity, we fall into that semi-conscious state and, and we don't think we have choice. So what that, that, that trance looks like for us is it loves constriction and it stops us from being creative, caring, and resilient. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. He'll, he'll find you. Young man looking for his mom and dad. Isn't it nice that he can come up and find them here? We've had a couple of parents drop their kids off and then go, leave. I'm serious. I'm, I'm standing out there waiting to come in, and a parent will bring their child in and then go out the door. I'm like, okay. Just dropping them off for an hour. I got laundry to do. All right, sweet. 
I'm not suggesting or encouraging that. I'm just telling you, it's been part of my experience. And it's fascinating. It would never occur to me that someone would do that. But they do. So the, what is the trance's voice? Well, it's the I'm not. The I'm not is I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not old enough, I'm not young enough, I'm not worthy enough. All those, anybody ever had that conversation with themselves? Ever feel like that? Like you're an imposter? Just me, I guess. Okay, it's all right. One other guy, one other guy. It's all right. I just want to make sure there's, this is landing somewhere. You know, there's a place for it to, to, to connect. The trance also shows up like there is not enough. There's not enough time, opportunity, love, cooperation, power. Whatever you want to name it, there's not enough. There's just not enough. So what the trance does is it keeps us from being present with one another. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to be in present with one another. So in order to break out of the trance, we have to disrupt the patterns. And I'm going to, I'm going to share with you today what I believe to be a very simple and profound and powerful practice to disrupt those patterns because we get into those patterns and ways of thinking. We've been conditioned as, as children there are stories that we were given as children that we carry with us. And when we start to wake up, it's, it's about filtering that and putting it down. And for many, I watch people come into our past discovery class. And I'll never forget this one very elegant, very learned man. And I could see him going through the process of our past discovery, just talking. And past discovery is just a class that we offer people that teaches the principles of what we share. And, and we do honor all traditions. And we, we, we approach it in a way that I think is, is quite beautiful and powerful. And so he said to me, I looked at him one day, I said, what's going on? Because I could tell there was a lot of things stirring. And he said, you know, I'm mourning, I'm mourning the putting down my old beliefs. And I think it's important to honor that. You know, to put down this idea that we must go through any particular icon or idea or person, place or thing to, to make connection with God. And so, and I, I grew up in a tradition like that. There were saints, and they were the intermediaries to, to Jesus, who was an intermediary to God. See, God's, a, God's an experience. The, the beloved, like that word better, the beloved is an experience. It's available now. And what happens is that we, we think that we have to earn it. We have to do something spectacular or wonderful to earn it. But because there's that underlying conversation of scarcity is so strong, we may step into it but step out of it. And I think if we can get this piece in our lives more consistently, we have a better opportunity to live the lives that we're called to live. And so this is what we're about. We're about the shifting in consciousness. See, consciousness, when consciousness shifts, things change. Consciousness precedes experience. And consciousness, for me, being a, a, an experience builder, I used old builder at the first service. I said, I'm not old. I'm not using that wording. I'm an experience builder, knowing how to put things together a bit, that if we take a, a, a lever or a lever, and I put it under, the, say, the front of this platform, in the right position with the right leverage, I can lift the whole thing. And that's what consciousness is. Consciousness, we're developing that lever to shift and change whatever is not working in our lives. But that's awareness. I mean, when we meet someone that we feel is a master, you know, when we have these Zen masters, you know, I think the legends of Jesus of Nazareth, the, the legends of the Buddha, what is it that they mastered? I believe what they did is they stepped out of that, that trance of scarcity quicker than anyone else. I don't think it ever completely um, moved out of their awareness. I think it was still possible for them. But they were able to put, step back into the circle with as much speed and clarity as they possibly could. I, I read a wonderful story the last couple of weeks about an Aikido master. He said, the thing that makes me a master is that Aikido is all about balance. All the martial arts are. I mean, everything in life is about balance. And with Aikido, he said, the reason that I'm a master at it is I'm, I'm, much, I'm much quicker at stepping back into balance than others. So it makes, makes me a greater uh, uh, practitioner. 
So it's really, when we break it down to that, we realize, hmm, I'm stepping out of balance here. But what scarcity would have us believe is that the tighter we are, the more protected we are. Have you noticed, anybody notice that? The tighter you are, you feel more protected, the tighter, intense, stressed, anxious, worried. Because if you agree, worrying, now there's a spiritual practice, isn't it? If I worry just a little more, 20 more minutes of worrying a day, yeah, we got it. Pleasure, I love that reading that I gave to Kelly. She was so excited to share that. Oh, I love this reading. She was just running around. And I think she's left too. She was, out, she was, she was, she was plieing through my office. I love this. And, hey, t- take it easy. Take it. It's just a reading. Just a reading. But, but oh, I wanted to share that because it ties in so beautifully. Pleasure. Pleasure means supple. doesn't mean anything else. Pleasure is supple. We're open to life. We're permeable. We're permeable. And we, and we spend so much time tightening down. We tighten down the conversation stops. We tighten down mentally. We tighten down physically. It's a challenge because most of us weren't... I wasn't raised that way, that life's supposed to be pleasurable. But that was a mortal sin in the family I grew up in. <laughs> it was. I mean, and I, and, I, and I love those people. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for my, my family of origin. Love them. Love them. They launched me. I just said, there's got to be another way to do life. So our behaviors and our habits are the result of unexamined stories. We have stories in our life. We make stuff up. We are, we are masters at meaning. phrase I heard this week. We are masters. We are meaning-making machines. Something happens, we make up a meaning. Bruce and I will have a different experience. Same experience, same location. He'll make up a different story than I'll make up. His might be positive. Mine might be spinning in the negative. Who knows? So real abundance means living in a state of fullness and flow. It means living, and it's possible to live in that fullness and flow. And I'm not saying it's, you're not going to step out of it. I don't, think it's, I don't think our life is static. I think things keep showing up. Just when I think I have something mastered, all of a sudden something else shows up. And I say, oh, man, here we go again. But I, th- I think that's the ongoing nature of it. See, and what we want to do is release the me orientation, this, this solitary perspective, and enter into the we orientation that makes room for our hearts and our minds to stay open. See, to live fully is really, and I think what I love about the experience on Sundays with you is that I get to do enough preparation and focus it so when I come, we come together, my heart and your heart begin to open in one another's presence. That's a beautiful thing. See, we're called a relationship. When the Mamesa Choir was here, I asked Tammy Banting, Tammy's been over there a few times to South Africa, I said, what's the greeting? And she said, it's Salbona and, and Johnny. And I said, what does that mean? And Salbona means I see you. I see you. And the response would be Sikona. Sikona is, I'm here. I see you and I'm here. In South Africa, the definition of a human being is that I am a person because I'm in relationship with others. I'm a person because I'm in relationship with others. And I think that's true. If we think that being separate from one another is solid spiritual practice, what that is, is a re, uh, it's a reflection of the reptil- reptilian brain. We know we have three brains, and one of them is mammalian, one of them is the reptilian. The mammalian is the one that is it's the nurturer. It's that frontal cortex here. When we meditate, when we do spiritual practice, it lights up. You can see it on an MRI. Salbona, I see you. In fact, there's a, from the, the book I was reading, uh, talks about in South Africa where they brought in some tribal people. They start to work in a corporate environment. And in the corporate environment, people, you know, we don't tend to stop when we greet one another each time we come down the hall. 
you know, we'll be on our task and we'll be about where we're going with whatever it is we're doing. And what's a challenge for the tribal people, uh, from a Peter Senge book I'm reading called The Fifth Discipline, is that they're so used to seeing one another. It's, an, it's, an, it's almost an insult to not see one another. It's a cultural thing. But we want to we see one another. We want to be seen. It is about our relationships. We're all here. What, every, we all showed up so that you could be the, the most amazing expression of the infinite you could possibly be. Isn't that amazing? I mean you. You called me into your experience. I mean, that's really what it is. And I said, you know what? I think I'm, I'm being called to something. But for all of us. See, I think it's a symphony. I think that we set our intention. I was telling this to Laura the other day, my wife. And by the way, I guess people have been asking her, what, did you guys met, went out one time, then moved in together? No, 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 no. I left out some pieces of the story. I never really did finish the story. But no, there were several months, much walking and talking together before any of that happened. I just want to let you know. It wasn't, let's go on a date, and then we'll move in together when we get home at 1230. Didn't happen like that, okay? It was very slow and quiet. It was very sweet. It was very wonderful because there was a whole different vocabulary, a whole different experience. But this idea that her and I, we, we, we talk about our relationship, and it's quite amazing. I mean, I was talking to a minister friend of mine this week, and she started to actually tear up and cry on the phone. She's a dear, dear friend of mine. She actually married Laura and I. And she said, I know that there's nobody on the planet that could affirm you like she has. And she just was sobbing. I said, and then I'm crying with her because it was so true, it's so sweet. You know, just such a wonderful, beautiful experience. And I said to her, you know, look at the opportunities that have been created for our boys since we came here. Because they didn't want to come here. I put the application in when I finally said, okay, let's give this a whirl. And Max looked at me and said, Alabama? We're moving to Alabama? I'm not moving to Alabama. And I said, well, Max, I don't think you are. But all of the things that it took, and, and to watch their lives explode here in terms of their opportunities, if we were in, in where we started out, it would have been different. Not better or worse, but it would have been different. And his natural talents and abilities for both of them have just been, have the, the bar was raised for them. And I'm proud of both of them. And Max is finishing up his undergraduate, and he's going to go to medical school next year, probably at the U of A. And we were talking about it, and, and, and I don't think that would have happened in California. I really don't, because of cost and because of environment, and it would have been, he would have gotten there eventually. I think we get there eventually. But, but it would have taken longer. And there's been such wonderful opportunities for both these young men. So I think our lives are not just about ourselves. It's about the symphony, how we come together, why we come together for family and friends. I don't just think it's this, just me, my, my thing. And that's that stepping into the we. They did a, a study. They did a, a study that uh, talks about happiness. And I, if you've you ever watched TED, TED.com, you can go on there and hear the speakers. And I believe his name is Don name's Don, okay? Let's go with Don. Because <laughs> that name just slipped away as well. And they talked about happiness, and they did a study, and they've done all this research about study. Did you know they have studied people that have had traumatic accident and, and are quadriplegic? And they have studied people that have won the lottery. And they put them side by side over 12 months. And you know the level of happiness that they report based on whatever the measures are, and I don't know what they are, they're identical. They're identical. Happiness. I think Abe Lincoln was right. Most people are as happy as they make up their mind to be. But I talk in this, in this, in this uh, presentation about artificial happiness and natural happiness. Natural happiness, we think, is stuff we set an intention. We 
we move forward and with that intention and it all unfolds, you know, ducks in a row, it all unfolds beautifully and wonderfully, just as if we're master of time, space, and dimension. I have not had that experience, but if you do, come and see me. I'd love to hear about it. Because my, my demonstrations are always slightly different, and they're most of the time, if not always, the better. So I, I, that's why we release a treatment. See, we might have an idea, but I always add in there this or something better. And so what happened was that they took students, and they had them each take six pictures. It was a class. They, they set this up, and each student took six pictures. And then they were asked out of the six to pick two that they liked the best. And so they picked out, each picked out the two they liked the best. And so they came back to the, to the workshop, and the, the instructor said, now pick one that you're willing to give away. And so they had to figure out which one they wanted, which one did they like more. And so what they told one half of the group is, look, you need to give us one because for the, to, for the study and to measure all this, for a variety of reasons, you need to give it to us. We're going to mail it off immediately. As soon as you give it to us, it goes in an envelope and it's gone. We're going to send it, we're going to, send it to headquarters. Like the guy said, like there's a headquarters. The other group said, okay, here's the deal. Pick two, give us one, that you, you know, the one that you're willing to give up, but you've got four days to change your mind. We're going to hang on to it. There's a deadline. We're going to mail it at 3.30 on Wednesday. You've got four days to get there. So if you want to change your mind at any point in time, give us a call. And they found, they, and they tracked these students for about a month. And it turned out the ones that had the opportunity to change their mind were 60% less happy than the ones that just simply sent off the one that they didn't think they wanted as much as the other one? Which is just an amazing... Isn't it amazing when, when we have opportunities and we, th- and we struggle with these things? You know, when I was shared... I'll share it again. Uh, when, it, when we came here, we were here about a year. Laura and I had come with the boys and we'd settled in and we were... You know, things were starting to shift and change, as they do. And, and a group came up from Calgary and they came to the Calgary Center for Spiritual Living down there. And they came looking for a minister... And so I did my Sunday talk, and they were in the back, and they waited until everybody left, and then they took me in the corner, and they said, uh, you know, we're, we'd like to see if you're interested in coming to Calgary to do this. And I, and I said, uh, that's so sweet. And it's very flattering. It's always flattering to be wanted, isn't it? I mean, as opposed to they come from Calgary to tell me I better get the heck out of the province before they do something nasty to me. And I, and, uh, and, 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 and I said, you know what? We were so clear about what we were doing, why we were here. We really felt called to this community for a variety of reasons. Some we could figure out, some we still don't know. But we listen to that call. My point, the reason I share this with you is I could spend, if I wanted to, I never have, but if I wanted to, I could sit there and speculate about what that experience would have been. But it, it serves no good purpose, and it also we knew our hearts were here. And, and since then, there have been a variety of, of opportunities that show up because when you do it and, you do it and you're doing it what looks like well, you know, people want to be part of that. And, I, and it's, it's wonderful because we have such a... We have, see, and it's not just me here. It's a collective consciousness. We're a learning we're a learning community, and because I'm so committed to my own learning and my own growth, I attract people to me that have the same mindset. And see, that's alive, that's vibrant. And where else can I do this? Where else can I go and do this? You know, I mean, this is, we're just, I'm just getting my, I'm just getting the hang of this, if you want to know the truth. And so why pull up the roots and go somewhere and plant seeds again and start all over again? I mean, if I had to do that, I'd do that, but that's not where we are. But the point is, we can lament those things, but once the decision is made, the decision is made. Put it down. That was a great thing about Dr. Ernest Holmes. He's over there somewhere. There he is, founder of our teaching. When he was done with something, he was done. I'm done. He'd walk away. I'm done. And it's just a reflection of consciousness. So the point being is we're as happy as we make our minds up to be, whether it's natural or artificial. What shows up in our life? I mean, there are things that don't work. We may, we may have a job or relationship that's not working. And of course we make decisions. It doesn't mean accept everything. 
but it does speak to the power of our minds and our attitudes about how happy we're going to be with what we have. See, because if you want to shift out of the job or shift out of the relationship, the paradox of it is to find the blessings in it now. And that's about stepping into the circle. The circle that Victoria Castle talks about in the trance of scarcity. And the circle, the qualities are generosity, giving, two different things. Generosity is that generous heart. Sharing our gifts, sharing our talents. One of the greatest people I ever met in my life, one of the greatest teachers was a carpenter. He was a master carpenter. He taught me everything he knew. Never hesitated to share. Never hesitated to show me all the skill sets. That wasn't always my, my experience, but so generous. Just in that generous spirit and giving, aligning, openness, gratitude, receiving, attracting. It's a cycle of abundance, and we breathe into it and we breathe out of it. And the, the, the trick to the, there's no trick to this at all, but the, the, the key to it is, is that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to earn any of it. It belongs to us already. We just have to agree to it, to consent. And so when I'm out of the circle, I'm tight and I'm anxious. My shoulders are up, you know, covering my ears. I'm so tense. And maybe I don't look like that, but I sure feel like that sometimes. And then I realize, what am I hanging on to? And so the, the practice that I've been incorporating is just to let it go. What happens when I hang on? When we were in Hawaii, we went to the flea market. And Laura was looking for meaningful things. So she found a little carved Buddha and she found some beautiful Hawaiian artifacts and and I like meaningful, I, but I knew she had that covered, so I went to look for stuff that was interesting. <laughs> so I picked up this little gadget, and I shook it. And I said, that's that conversation going on in my head when I step out of the circle. Isn't that just annoying? And you can, you can, you know, you can slow it down, you speed it up, but it's still that conversation going on in my head. Isn't that ingenious? I'm thinking about making these. <laughs> Franchise. And then, sometimes it's not that chatter, because that's the chatter, but sometimes it's the thunder. Isn't that cool? Huh? Don't you wish you had one of these? I took that over to, to Laura, and she just shook her head. She just looked at me and said, that's what you're going to take home. I said, yes, it is, honey. I'm always looking for an illustration or a prop that supports this idea of discord in one's life. So stepping into the circle is not determined by worthiness. It's just determined by consent. And I, and I think that for us, we understand the power of thought. We really do. I mean, as a group, we understand collectively the power of thought. We understand affirmative prayer and how powerful that is. But it's also the embodiment of those ideas. It's the physical embodiment of those ideas and those stories. So what we're going to do with Victoria Castle's book, The Trance of Scarcity, is have an opportunity to look at our stories. We're going to start this book study. If you can't be in the book study, um, but it's, it's a wonderful idea. It's time has come. Many people ask for it. We're going to actually ask people to do it in their homes and, and just simply do the book study and work the process. The only thing it's going to cost you is the price of the book. It's a powerful book. But it really is about examining the stories because we're meaning machines. We'll make stuff up over and over and over and over again. I do, I do that. You know, I, I told the story last week about the, the convertible. If you were here, I couldn't get the convertible top up or down, so we drove around Kona with it eight feet in the air, sort of as a spoiler for <laughs> cutting down on gas mileage. Well, my dad, when I was a kid, my dad used to say, whenever somebody go by with a nice sports car, especially a convertible, they were a show-off. And 
you know, and you never said anything to my dad. Well, if you did, you ended up suffering the consequences. So we learned early, don't say anything, because he's on a roll now. He's thinking. But I used to think, hmm, I think I'm going to be a show-off when I grow up. <laughs> but, I mean, isn't it interesting? And so those are the things that we worked all the time. My father worked all the time. I remember Friday night when I finally got into university, and I didn't work a Friday night to go to something. The guilt, I felt guilt for four years. For four years, it took me that long. To, I was so uncomfortable because my dad, my brothers and sisters, we owned a little grocery store, and we all worked there. I, my first job there, I was five years old, sorting pop bottles. Pretty good at it now, too, by the way. <laughs> this spooky basement. It was about three feet tall, and I could stand up there and not hit my head, and I'm down there sorting pop bottles. And it would take me eight hours to sort out three cases of empty pop bottles. I'm telling you, I was pretty slow. But the point being is that all those conditionings about how we earn our money, how we show up, how we earn things in our lives, I'll never forget those experiences. I said, why do I feel so bad about going out on a Friday night? It took four years of putting that down and putting that down. But where is that alive for you? I'll share that with you because that was a real experience for me. But, but that was part of that trance of scarcity. Why would I feel that way? Well, because there's not enough. And if I'm having fun, someone else is suffering. Has anyone ever done that one? Gans has. He's raising his hand for everything. This guy's right with me. Had a boy. Thank you. But the point being is, when we when we pull it into the light and we hold it to the scrutiny, we can decide. And sometimes it requires more than one opportunity to put it down. I shared with you last week briefly. So what I do when I find myself tensed up for whatever reason, I say, Why am I holding on to something? I'll stop right there and have the conversation. And then I'll ask myself, Can I get put this down? Will I put this down? And when? And typically it's yes, yes, and now. And then all of a sudden I'll find myself tensing up again. And I get to go through the whole thing again. And my agreement with myself is I'm going to go through it as often as I have to. Whatever's necessary. To put it down. The teacher Jesus said it. I must forgive seven times 70. It means a lot. And so it's not about one time. It may be one time. I'm not saying it's not possible to have the healing or the shift or the change one time. But for me, some of those things are so deeply ingrained. It is, that, it is that kinesthetic body, the somatic body that stores it. And I think that is the, the, the totality of, of consciousness being expressed by our physical form. That's why we're in form, I believe. See, we're here to help one another grow into to oneness. If, um, let's see here. I picked on Norman Catherine at the earlier service. Paul and Ann. But see, if... if it's interesting how powerful our minds are, but, but um, um, if Anne starts to perceive Paul as a god, like that, Paul? He's good. He's good. But what happens for Anne is she becomes the goddess. See? And when we celebrate another, we, we celebrate that energetic because that, that idea propels us to a new level. It raises the bar for us. Or Jody and John sitting there. Same thing. See, when we start to bring that to our relationship, we start to see the beloved or the infinite. But we, it's impossible for us to do it when we, we're out of the, that circle. It's impossible. That's why I tell the practitioners, when you're ready to pray with someone, prepare your consciousness. Step into the circle of the I am to the yes. And so what if we lived our lives as if we already belonged? We didn't have to earn any of it. It's just the consent. When you find yourself, so this week the practice is, practice that. Practice feeling that sense of, of wellness, that sense of wholeness, that sense of balance and trust and awareness and all of the qualities that Victoria talks about. Practice that and see where you're hanging on because if you're hanging on, it's okay. 
just hanging on and work with that. And then start thinking about the, the future or the past. Start futurizing or pasteurizing. And when you do that, you'll find yourself move out of the circle. And all it takes to move back into it is saying, yes, I give myself consent. I consent to this. I want to share a, a wonderful quotation with you. If, I, if my aim is to prove I'm enough, the project goes on to infinity because the battle was already lost on the day I conceded the issue was debatable. If my aim is to prove I am enough, the project goes on to infinity because the battle was already lost on the day I, I conceded that the issue was debatable. debatable. In other words, we don't have to do any work in that arena. We just have to simply consent. There's no, no deserving. You belong here. We all belong here. We're here for a divine purpose. We forget. Because most of what we see out in the world, we forget. We don't have a financial crisis right now. We don't, you know what? I don't do SARS. I'm watching TV this week. I said, where are they all doing this SARS? And Max, who's going to go to medical school next year, says, you know, there's more people who die of the flu than dying of this thing. But it's sure an interesting story, isn't it? Don't we love to scare ourselves? See, I don't do SARS. I've been traveling. I've been at home with Laura and Max. They both had colds last week. And my declaration is, I don't do colds. I'm healthy. I'm walking around. We're drinking out of the same glass. Yeah, don't drink out of that glass. I'm not doing that. There's no place for SARS in this consciousness. Dr. Bitzer used to say, we're flying on the plane to Hawaii. And I always tell Laura, because she doesn't like fly. She gets really nervous. And I'll say, honey, this plane isn't going down because we're on it. And she looks at me and I say, it's true. Dr. Bitzer used to say that all the time. This plane's not going down unless it's supposed to land where it's supposed to because I'm on it. But I mean to live our lives intentionally. You know what? You make that declaration. You make that declaration that I am always in the right place at the right time with the right people living a vibrant and abundant and healthy life. You're going to be guided. You're going to be guided by the synchronicity of life, not to be around whatever it is that's going to expose you to something that's a lesser idea than that. That's the way it works. That's practical mysticism. It's what we are. There's a conversation going on. Listen to the conversation. So it's powerful. Our minds are so powerful. So if we see each other as a god and a goddess, we see each other as vibrant and happy and healthy, what does that do for us? See, we see one another as heroes. And that's the part about forgiveness. You know, people that have, have done us wrong, if they could have done better, they would have done better. So put them down. Putting them down and forgiving them doesn't mean you sign up for it again. You know, when I was a, a building contractor in California, I had, these, I had this plumber who drove me crazy. And I, and I want to, and he just, he just hooked me. Because so many of my deficiencies I saw in him, I didn't realize it then. And finally I said, you know what? This guy's doing the best he knows how. Man, what a relief that was. I hired another plumber. But the story I was telling myself about this guy was driving me crazy. This guy's doing the best he knows how. Celebrate it. Declare victory and move on. Get the yellow pages out. Look for another plumber. I, and I think we need to do that. I think we need to, to declare victory and move on because we belong here. You and I belong here. We're here for a bigger purpose than this. I believe it is a symphony. I don't think it's just about my life. I think it is the we. I think the collective consciousness. I think that two weeks ago when we had Mameza here and the energy and the vibrancy of that experience and connecting with that, it's just a reflection of what we stand for. It's why they were drawn back here like a moth to a flame because of the love, because of the consciousness that's here. And we nurture that because it's our intention. It's, it's what we have decided to show up and be, which is open and receptive. And let the brilliance and the genius that is seeking expression find its way by means of you. Each of you have genius. 
Each of you are the unbounded potential and possibility. But in order for that conversation to show up with greater clarity so we can act upon it with efficiency and, and move towards our highest aspirations, we must stop those stories. We stop the stories by stepping back into the circle and saying, look at that, I'm creating another story. I'm telling me, I'm making stuff up again. I'm so good at it. Celebrate it when you find yourself. Look at this, it's amazing. It's amazing. Fascinating, but we can do this, and we are doing it. Moment by moment, it's gradual, it's sequential, it's inevitable. So this week, let's show up in our own lives, knowing and understanding that we truly belong already. So it is. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you. Greg wants, he's jealous, the, set, the, the noisemaker guy is jealous now. So I love your instruments, feel free to play with us if you want. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> oh, it's perfect for the song. So um, in light of what you've just been speaking about um, and watching out the, like, what the media has to say and the negativity and everything, we're going to put something positive out there and do a <coughs> an old song. I think they had hard times back in the 1800s when it was written.
nice. Let's do it one time with everybody. The song I got punished for as a kid. I get to be able to do it publicly now. This is fantastic. It was so hard to entertain in, in sixth and seventh and eighth grade, sitting in the back row all by myself of class. So, all right. I just... Yes. Bruce just asked me when I go on the road, can he have my job? I said, yes, of course. Of course you can, Bruce. All right. So let's just know this together. As, as we give from the consciousness of joy and expectancy and celebration and generosity, let us know that it returns to us pressed down and overflowing in so many wonderful ways. So we thank you for your continued support. I know that I give this day in the awareness that as I give, I step into that flow of abundance. It is one of the spiritual practices that allows me to be supported in that. And I bless and welcome all the good that, that comes into my life and is given as a result of that. And so I just give thanks. Thank you for the blessings of this day, for this beautiful day, for the beautiful music and the fellowship, our programs and the consciousness that we stand upon. For this I give thanks and I invite you to say with me once again, and so it is.
song we want to share with you today. It's very brief. Tell me from where you came. Join our greeting team. Save us, it's us like a dream. We meet and greet and say hello. We welcome you to our spiritual flow. Hello, I'm Patrick. Won't you tell me your name? Hello, I'm Jared. Tell me from where you came. Hello. I'm Alan, won't you tell me your name? Hello, I'm Wayne Lee, tell me from where you came. We stand here at the door. We're a vital part of the Save Corps. We welcome people to our spiritual home. Our teaching is like an eternal home. song. We'd love it if you sang along. Turn to your partner and say hello. Feel in your heart such a nice warm glow. doors of the 21st century if I can just have a moment of your time and if you have a look in your program there's a yellow volunteer registration form we are as you uh, gathered recruiting volunteers we've got a number of areas that can use some support the four o'clock service certainly is one of them as well as a number of others so if you could just have a look if there's something that calls to you as far as uh, serving this center in, in this capacity we'd love to have you on team I'll be at the back table there to answer any questions and take your forms thank you all Yep. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jr. Al, Wayne. So, and this is Sue Stevens, if you didn't know, and she's our new uh, uh, executive assistant and uh, helping develop that. So we thank you. And it's a good thing. 
So I'm going to invite our ministers, practitioners to come forward for our final uh, prayer and song. Wow, we had a whole pass. Well, I want to thank I want to uh, thank Reverend Catherine Cardinal for stepping up today. Uh, Reverend Connie Nissen was below, uh, wasn't doing her wellness, and so Reverend Catherine stepped up to help with the the Cosmic Kids, and uh, they were having a great time. I was down there earlier, so I thank you, Reverend Catherine, for that. All right, so short and sweet. One life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence. So I just give thanks this day, knowing we carry forward with us the awareness calling forth the great learning that allows us to live our best life possible. I give thanks. I know that each and every one of us moves forward in the expectancy of great good. Whatever is before us, we contain within us everything necessary to move forward beautifully, powerfully, wonderfully. And I'm grateful for the support and the love and the inspiration that continues to show up in my life. And I know it does for you as well. For this, I give thanks. And I invite you to say with me once again, and so it is. Let's sing. Got the light. 